0: We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Would you take God's Word and go with me into the Old Testament? And uh, let's look together in 2 Samuel chapter number 16. Uh, we continue this morning our study of the life of David. And we've last left David outside of a place called Behurim, where we found that he was weary, he and all the people. Uh, they came weary and refreshed themselves. And we learned last week some lessons on the sources of our weariness and the supply of God's refreshment that is found in this life through Christ. David was on the run because his son, Absalom, had rebelled against him. And as we come to chapter number 16, we'll begin reading in verse number 15, we find David uh, continues uh, on the race to escape from Absalom, his son, and while he is weary in the wilderness and refreshed, we find that Absalom is back in Jerusalem plotting his next step. Uh, we come here to chapter 16 and verse 15. We begin reading. The Bible says, "And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, was coming to Absalom." That Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why winnest thou not with thy friend? Of course, he's speaking here of David. Verse 18 And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him. "'Will I abide?' "'And again, whom should I serve? "'Should I not serve in the presence of his son "'as I have served in thy father's presence, "'so will I be in thy presence?' "'Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, "'Give counsel among you what we shall do.' "'And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, "'Go in unto thy father's concubines, "'which he hath left to keep the house. "'And all Israel shall hear "'that thou art abhorred of thy father.' Then shall the hands of all that are up with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had acquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, let me now choose out 12,000 men. And I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed and will make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee. And I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all returned. So all the people shall be in peace." And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. And thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or in some other place, and it will come to pass, when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say, there is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man, and they which be with him are valiant men. Therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee, from Dan even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person. So shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found, and we will light upon him as the dew Falleth upon the ground, and of him and of all men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to that city, and we will draw it into the river until there be not one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to look together into it. And we pray for the help of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to give us understanding that we may receive your truth and Father, you know the needs of your people, and I pray that you would use your word to minister to them, and I pray that you would enable me by your spirit to preach your word with clarity and conviction, and may Christ be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. We note a question that Absalom asks, or request rather, that he makes in chapter 16, In verse number 20, Absalom said to Ahithophel, give counsel among you what we shall do. Absalom, who has led this rebellion against his father, uh, has seen his father get word of the rebellion, and uh, he has heard that his father has departed with a company, and they're dwelling in the wilderness. Uh, Absalom's messengers had gone into all of Israel to draw away a contingency of people to follow him. In fact, the messenger that came to David said that the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Now that David has fled, uh, Absalom is curious concerning his next step. So he speaks to his chief counselor who was formerly David's counselor, Ahithophel. And he asked Ahithophel, give counsel among you what we should do. The Bible tells us in verse 23 that the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. Ahithophel's advice, his counsel was so valued by the people, by David, we learn, and also by Absalom and others, that it was as if it had come from God himself. But Absalom asks a strange question in verse number 5. After hearing the advice of Ahithophel, he asked this man, Hushai, the Archite, In verse number 5 of chapter number 17, he says this, Let us hear likewise what he or what Hushai saith. Hushai immediately begins by stating that Ahithophel's counsel was not good counsel. I can imagine that when he said that, some jaws dropped. The room got silent. And everybody wondered what Hushai would say. And Hushai's speech is a a master of... Speech and a master example of oratory. The Bible tells us in verse 14 that Absalom and all the men of Israel said this. This was their conclusion. The counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. This was a stunning statement for those men to make. It would be akin to David slaying Goliath the giant. It was a shock to all to see that Hushai had had given rather better advice than Ahithophel. But we find out the reason behind it in the conclusion of verse number 14. For the Lord hath appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning, the plan of man and the providence of God. The plan of man and the providence of God. There is a rebellion in the land. Absalom has led this rebellion. He seeks to take control, to usurp the throne of David, the throne that God had anointed David to occupy, not Absalom. By the way, we live in a world of rebellion, right? Satan is leading this rebellion. He's orchestrating this rebellion, seeking to usurp the throne that only Jesus Christ himself can occupy. And we are the servants of the Lord. And as we live in this wicked world, we learn some very valuable lessons concerning the plan of man and the providence of God. I want to give you three of them this morning, and I hope you'll write them down. Number one, we begin with this one, the pride of man the pride of man. Now, we'll be visiting the 15th chapter. We're in chapter 16, and we're also in chapter 17. So as I give you these verse numbers, you may find yourself wondering, where are we? So please try to follow along with me. We're in chapter 16 and verse 15. And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him, And it came to pass when Hushai the archite, David's friend, was coming to Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. Now I want you to know there's no mistake about who Hushai is speaking of. He's speaking about David. But he has come to present himself to Absalom to feign, to pretend that he is going to serve Absalom. This this has all the intrigue of the great spy novels that you might want to read. Hushai is a spy sent by David, and he begins with these words, "God save the king, God save the king." And immediately Absalom, who is lifted up in pride, thinks that surely Hushai is speaking about me. And notice his response in verse seventeen. And Absalom said to Hushai, is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why winnest thou not with thy friend? In other words, is this what you're doing for David after all these years you've been his friend? Well, the Ahithophel had turned on David, so certainly he shouldn't be surprised with the prospect that Hushai had turned upon him. And so he assumes that Hushai has turned against David. But Hushai is there at David's request. Now, we know some things about Absalom. The Bible tells us that he was of a beautiful countenance. He had no blemishes from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He had long, flowing hair and uh, we can imagine him, you know, he was probably the darling of the magazines and the television commercials. He bought himself some chariots where there was really no place for a man to ride a chariot in Jerusalem, but Absalom got himself some chariots, and he got men to run before him, and he appointed himself as a judge in Israel. He would stand outside the gates of the city, and uh, when people would come to bring their causes to David, Absalom would say, hey, come over here. Let me talk to you, and he would listen to their cause, and he'd say, you know, Uh, I'm telling you, if I was a judge in the land, this is what I would do. But unfortunately, that guy, the king, my dad, he, he doesn't really care about you. And the Bible said that he stole the hearts of the men of Israel away from David. He was lifted up in pride. Do you know that pride is the original sin? Would you go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter number 14? Isaiah chapter number 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 12. There are very few occasions in the Bible where God is speaking directly to the devil, at least that we're given. There's one in the book of Job. There's an example there. There are examples when Christ was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. But here in Isaiah 14, we have one of those occasions where the prophet of God is speaking as a messenger of God concerning the devil Isaiah 14 and verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Uh, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, uh, was an angelic being created by God Himself to lead the angels of God in worship to God. But we find Him, He has fallen. How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. What caused Satan to fall? It was pride. He decided at some point that he was tired of leading the angels to sing praises to God. He wanted to be praised himself. Well, this same affliction is the affliction that overtook Absalom. I want to be king. And the devil wants to be king. Now, pride will cause some things in your life. First of all, pride is idolatrous. Pride is idolatrous. Pride is idolatrous because pride refuses to acknowledge God. Therefore, to live in pride is to live as if God does not exist. Now, there are some people who would never say that God doesn't exist, but they live as if he does, or they live rather as if he does not. They live as if God does not exist, and they are not willing to acknowledge him. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 86 in verse 14, oh God.'" The proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. Do you know what Absalom's problem was? Do you know what Ahithophel's problem was? They were lifted up in pride, and they refused to acknowledge God. They refused to acknowledge him. Psalm 12, verse 3, the Bible says, "'The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips,' and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? You see, pride will cause you to be idolatrous, to think that you are uh, the authority yourself. Not only is pride idolatrous, but pride is intoxicating. We read through the word of God that Cain, through his pride ended with the death of his brother Abel. The pride of Pharaoh led to Egypt's destruction. The pride of Nebuchadnezzar resulted in his madness. The pride pride of Ahasuerus caused him to banish his wife. And the pride of Herod resulted in the beheading of John the Baptist. I want you to know that pride is an intoxicating thing. When it becomes all about you, when you are the only authority and you are the only one right, Pride becomes an intoxicating drug. Uh, we live in a world filled with pride, don't we? And just this past week, we had an election in our land. And politicians who made promises and campaigned, many campaigning against the clear, moral, biblical convictions of the Bible and Christianity. Those who live as if God does not exist who want to write laws to remove God from the public arena, who want to write laws which which commend unto you immorality and wickedness and promote such a thing, those who want to write laws to promote death of unborn life, idolatrous men, intoxicated men, intoxicated with their power and their greed, by the way, they can wear a blue shirt or a red. They're lifted in pride. Now, I want you to note some effects that pride had on Absalom and on Ahithophel. First of all, we see that Absalom was deceived in his pride. Hushai has come as a spy. He's come on behalf of David. And he says, God save the king. God save the king. Well, what king is he he serving? He's serving David. Verse 18, and who shall I sit unto Absalom? Nay, but whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. Do you know who that was? That was not Absalom. That was David. The Lord didn't choose Absalom. Absalom chose himself. Verse 19, and again, whom should I serve? Well, he wants to serve the king. Notice his language here in verse 19. Should I not serve in the presence of his son? In other words, should I not serve my king in the presence of his son? This Hushai, pretty smart fellow, isn't he? He's got a way with words. Should I not serve in the presence of his son as I have served in in thy father's presence? so will I be in thy presence. I might be in your presence, but I'm serving my king. Well, Absalom didn't pick up on this. He was deceived by his own pride. Then we see that Absalom was defiled through his pride. Look in verse 20. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Ahithophel came up with this plan. Why did he come up with this plan? Because he knew the very nature of this offense would so shock David that David and Absalom could never be reconciled. And it would so embolden the followers of Absalom because they would know that they were following a man that they could go all in for. So they put the tent on top of the house. They led David's wives in. Some observers obviously saw this happening and then went in Absalom. And then the word began to spread. Now, this was a horrific thing to do. Number one, because this is what a king would do who was replacing another king just to identify himself in power. But this is the son of the king uncovering the nakedness of his own father. Going into his father's wives, what an unspeakable, heinous, immoral act. And by the way, we live in a world that is normalized, unspeakable, heinous, immoral actions. You see, when you're a god unto yourself, nobody can tell you what to do and how to live. In fact, now in our nation, we celebrate what is called pride month so we can parade down the streets of the cities of our nation our immorality and our wickedness absalom was deceived in his pride he was defiled through his pride and he was driven by his pride not only was absalom driven by his pride but so too was ahithophel Absalom wanted to be the king So he did what it took to become the king And Ahithophel wanted to get rid of the king Remember Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba He had a problem with David And he decided that he was going to do whatever it took To get rid of David No matter what God wanted No matter what was best for the people of the nation of Israel Those things didn't matter to him What he wanted to do was get rid of David And he found a a willing ally in Absalom. Look at chapter 17 and verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night, and I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed and will make him afraid, And all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only, and I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all returned, So all the people shall be in peace and the saying pleased Absalom well and all the elders of Israel. I I don't know if you picked up on this in in Ahithophel's speech, but he uses a personal pronoun many times here. Let me now choose out 12,000 men. I will arise and pursue. I will come upon him. I will smite him. I will bring back all the people unto thee. He was driven by his pride. We find people who are driven by pride today. In fact, that pride, that same pride can overtake us if we're not careful. It causes division only by pride cometh contention. It can cause trouble in your home, trouble in your marriage, trouble with your parents, trouble at work, trouble in the house of God. Pride brings contention and division and strife. So we see the pride of man. And all along, what is David doing? He's seeking now. He's been repentant over his sin with Bathsheba. He is seeking to rule and reign in justice and judgment. But he has fallen victim to the pride of man. So what is he to do? Well, let's go back to chapter 15, would you please? Chapter 15, when David first hears the news that Ahithophel has turned against him. 2 Samuel chapter 15 now and verse number 31. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Here's David, surrounded by these proud men who care nothing for God, nothing for the truth, nothing for the people of God, they only seek power for themselves and promotion for themselves. And when David is weary and on the run, he gets the news that his most trusted advisor has forsaken him. And there's nothing for him to do except the best thing that he could do. Pray. Pray. Do you know prayer should be our, our, first, rea- our first response and not our last resort. But so often we we say, well, you know, I've tried this and I've I've tried that and I've tried this and I've tried that. Well, maybe now I ought to pray about it. No, maybe you should have prayed about it in the beginning. But just in case you're the person like me who oftentimes get to that point, thank God you can still pray. Amen? So, David, what did you do? (laughs) David said in verse 31, Oh, Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Well, I can imagine maybe some of the guys heard that standing by and thought, well, that's not very likely. Oh, I mean, you think is going to lose his mind or something? Well, no, the Bible tells us that Ahithophel gave good counsel, not that it was right or moral but that it was the kind of counsel that would have caused the result that Absalom wanted. But Hushai came in with counter-counsel, counsel that wasn't the best for Absalom. It was the best for David. But it sounded good, and Absalom was convinced. And therefore, the counsel of Ahithophel was turned to foolishness. You see, just as soon as David prayed that prayer in verse 32, the Bible says this, and it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshiped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. Hushai shows up just the moment David prays. Here comes Hushai. A trusted friend and advisor. And David says to Hushai, you know, Hushai, if you want to help me, if you really want to help me, I need you to go back to Jerusalem, pretend like you're with Absalom, and defeat the council of Ahithophel. And I bet Hushai thought, Whew, that's a tough task. What was going to enable him to do it? The prayer of God's people. You see, here's what pride says. Pride says, I don't need God, but prayer expresses dependence upon him. Do you know the great sin of prayerlessness is pride? The fact that we think we can handle things ourselves and go about our business and we don't need the Lord, we don't need to acknowledge him, that's pride. And pride says, I don't need God, but prayer expresses dependence upon him. Pride places its confidence in the ability of man, but prayer places its confidence in the ability of God. The proud threaten the innocent. Prayer protects God's children from the actions of the proud. Pride says, I can take care of myself, but prayer opens to us the Father's provisions. Those who live in pride live as if God does not exist, but those who live in prayer live in the acknowledgement that God does exist and that he intervenes in the affairs of men. You might be disappointed with recent news developments. You you, you might be suffering as the victim of the pride of men in a workplace or in a family relationship. You may feel helpless and there's nothing you can do. You're being unfairly attacked and accused of things that you did not do. There's one thing you can do, friend, you can pray. And I want you to know that prayer is a greater, tool, a greater tool than pride will ever be. You see, David, surrounded by the pride of men, threatened by the pride of men, lifted his voice in prayer unto God. Psalm 3 records this prayer. He says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Hey, he's a shield for you too. My glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I've got some good news for you. The Lord said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. The psalmist said, I laid me down and slept. I awake, for the Lord sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon thy cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. I'm going to tell you, Things picked up in the wilderness. Things changed. David got a new perspective. Though he was surrounded by proud men who wanted to destroy him, he recognized he was in the hands of a holy God who was going to keep him and never forsake him. I want you to know this morning you're in the hand of a holy God. Our nation and those who know the Lord Jesus as Savior, we're in the hands of a holy God, and we can trust him. We see the pride of man and the prayer of David, but I want you to see lastly the providence of God. Because behind the scenes, God is at work. David can't see it. All he can see is what's before him. But he knows God is there. That's why he's called upon him. Absalom and Ahithophel discounted the Lord as if he did not exist. But Absalom does something really interesting here. In verse 5, after he hears the good counsel of Ahithophel, he does something that I imagine shocked everybody in the room. Verse 5, then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. Why would he do such a thing? I'll tell you why. Because David had been praying, and because Absalom was full of pride And he wanted to show Hushai off. Hey, he's come to serve me now. He's on my team, Team Absalom. So let's hear what he has to say. Verse 6, And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. What shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. Jaw-drop moment number two. For said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. And thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. Behold, he is now in some pit or in some other place, and it will come to pass when some of them uh, be overthrown at the first that whosoever heareth it will say, there is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man, and they which be with him are valiant men. In other words, he's saying, look, this is not a good option. David's not out there camping among the people for Ahithophel to come find him. He's hidden in some place away from the people. And he's a mighty man. Don't forget that. Don't forget it. I mean, just imagine he's, he's chafed in his mind like a mama bear whose cubs have been taken away. Well, I imagine a few of those guys had seen a bear that mad. And now their hearts are filled with fear. And he said, if you go after them with 12,000 men and David begins to smite them, and you know he's a master general and a tactician, think about it. He killed Goliath. He killed all these Philistines. He's been a mighty man in battle. I'm going to tell you, just as soon as a few of those 12,000 perish, they're all going to get scared and run. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Look at verse 11. Therefore I counsel thee that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee. Don't just go with 12,000. Bring the whole crew down, from Dan even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, that thou go to battle in thine own person. Don't let let Ahithophel lead them. You lead them, Absalom. You're the man. You're the man. So shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found, and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. Boy, that sounds good to I mean, we'll just envelop him. Nowhere for him to run. And of all the men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Not only are we going to take care of David, we're going to take care of the whole crew. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to that city. And we will draw it into the river until there be not one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. Wow. For the Lord hath appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel. That's the key of the whole thing. It didn't matter what Ahithophel said. And Hushai, as eloquent and convincing as he was, really didn't have to be because God had appointed it to be defeated to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. You know, the Bible says this in Proverbs 21 and verse 30, there is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. Do you ever find yourself sometimes looking at what's going on in our world and thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, how did we get here? Every day, right? What are we going to (laughs) do? Every day. It looks like the wicked are winning. I mean, they've got all, the, they got all the mechanisms in place, the media and, and the educational system and, and, and the political groups. And I mean, this, in, this, this, this wickedness that has seemingly enveloped our world and our nation, our land, uh, it, it, it just seems to have all the momentum behind it. But the Bible says there's no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. The Bible tells me that the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel. The best laid plans of man will crumble in the presence of Jesus. His plan will be accomplished. The providence of God. God is at work even in these moments, you say, I'm not happy with what's happening in our world. I'm not happy with what's happening in my job. I'm not happy with what's happening in my family. I wonder if things are ever going to turn around. Let me tell you what you can do. You can pray and seek a holy God who has providential rule and reign over the circumstances of your life, your family, and this world. Let's call on him. Let's seek him and let's trust him. We don't have to wring our hands in defeat and chew our fingernails and wonder what in the world is going to happen. We know what's going to happen. Jesus is coming again, and he will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years and throughout all eternity, and we are going to be with the Lord forever. Proverbs 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So what do we do? Well, first of all, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. You see, pride isn't just a sin that befalls the wicked. It can befall all of us. You know why men go to hell? Because of pride. They refuse to acknowledge the Lord Jesus for who he is, the Son of God. They refuse to bow and call upon him and seek him as Savior. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never humbled yourself and acknowledged that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the Son of God, but today God is speaking to you and drawing you to himself. And today you recognize that you need to come before the King, the King of kings, and humble yourself, confess your sin, and be saved. Maybe as a believer, you've allowed pride and contention to come into your heart. There's an issue with you and your wife. There's an issue with you and your kids. There's an issue with you and your coworkers, or or you and another church member. And, and, and you've removed God from the whole equation because you think you're right. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. And you've been so intoxicated by your own pride, you're not willing to see any other perspective. But today you need to come and say, Lord, I humble myself and I ask you to forgive me. And the good news is he will. I think there's a second lesson here for all of us, and that is that we should seek the Lord earnestly in prayer. I was talking to a friend of mine this week about a problem that, that, that I've been dealing with And I said, you just won't believe how much work we've put into this. We've worked and we've worked and we've worked to get this problem solved. But it doesn't seem like it's gotten any better. In fact, it's only gotten worse. And as the words are leaving my mouth, the Spirit of God is speaking to me and saying this, yes, but have you prayed? You see, it's one thing for me to pray and quote James, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, that's a good promise, isn't it? Availeth much. You know what that means? It means it gets something done. What gets things done? My efforts? My work? My ingenuity? My ideas? No. And when I think they do, you know what that's called? Pride. You see, the best answer to prayer, or to pride rather, excuse me, is prayer. I gave it away, didn't I? The best answer to your pride is prayer. Because prayer is an humble expression of God that you need Him. I was, my grandchildren at my house, and they wanted some cereal and decided that they were going to get it for themselves. You know what happened next, right? Fruity Pebbles all over the place, Apple Jacks, Cheerios, whatever your brand is. Let's don't have a dispute about that, all right? All he had to do was say, "Hey, can you get me a bowl of cereal?" And I would have got it for him. You see, we we want to do it for ourselves. But we have a Father who loves us. He knows what our needs are. And he has promised that if we'll call on him, he will answer and he will meet our needs. So let's pray. By the way, prayer prayer brings peace. Some of you are disappointed with what's happened this week. And you're wondering, what in the world is going on? And you're getting defeated in your mind. Pray. Pray. Prayer brings a fresh perspective. Prayer produces peace. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep our hearts and minds. Seek the Lord in prayer. And then, thirdly, rest in his providence. Rest in his providence. God's at work. We looked last time at all those men that were coming to David. Hey, the hearts of the men of Israel have been stolen by Absalom. Oh, no. Hey, a hit, the fellas turned against you. Oh, no. Hey, here comes Ziba. What's Ziba want? He just wants to get something from you, king. He's going to pretend to serve you, but he doesn't really want to. Oh, no. Hey, here comes Shammai. What's he want? Oh, he wants to curse you and throw dirt on you and rocks on you and and lodge all kinds of false accusations against you. Man, this isn't getting better. It's only getting worse. No, rest in the providence of God. It will happen as God said it would. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.